This is Dr. Liz, Senior Pastor at Antioch International Church, and I want to personally welcome and thank you for joining us today. We are so glad you are here because this podcast, Dancing in the Rain Community, is designed for you. And now, here is your host, Mr. Cyril Prabhu, the founder of Proverbs 226. Hi, this is Cyril Prabhu. I'm welcoming you to another episode of Dancing in the Rain. Actually, it's not Dancing in the Rain. This is Are You Dancing in the Rain? Uh, One time, I just like I heard a quote from Reverend Billy Graham. Everybody thinks about Billy Graham as someone just like always in front of people, hundreds of people listening to his message, thousands of people give their life to Christ and so on. But when I listened to Reverend Billy Graham, he said, there are times that he says that the Christian life is not a constant high. I have my moments of deep discouragement. I have to go to God in prayer with tears in my eyes to say, oh God, forgive me. Oh God, give me strength. Oh God, give me hope. Really, Billy Graham? Reverend Billy Graham is saying that? And if he's saying that, how much more we should be saying that too, right? The thing is this, we are not built to be tough all the time. We have moments of vulnerability in our life too, where we don't have energy to go on to the next phase of our life, or we don't even know what's next for us. In this last couple of months, I ran into several people that actually had this similar experience. I was uh, there with one of these guys from India. He just lost his wife who was just 33 years old with two-year-old baby girl. When that news of his wife passing away came to him, he completely froze. He didn't know what to do next. And he was just like standing there calling me from his hospital room, asking me, Anna, what's next, Anna? Where do I go from here? What do I do? Do I call the funeral home? He doesn't know. And it's the same situation. The situation may be different. For me, 10 or 15 years ago, I ran into a similar situation when I was working for a company in California. One morning they called me and they said, you don't have a job. And I have like two kids and a mortgage to be paid. I have no idea what's next for me. When I came, sat in my car, I literally froze for a moment where the whole world was just like a broken, the whole world was standing still in front of my eyes. And that's the situation for many who just like have similar situations that happens in their life, right? And this episode that we build in Dancing in the Rain is a similar situation as well. Uh, I was thinking about my mom this morning My mom, when she was abandoned by her husband with a six-month-old baby, I didn't know what what would have gone into her mind with no education, no job, and she was just abandoned in a big city, Chennai. And I have no idea. At that moment in time, she may not know what she could do to raise a son, you know? And she was able to, you know, grab herself out of that situation. And then she was able to raise me. Later, I was having a chance to talk to her and I asked her, what was going in your mind 
when something like that happened, right? And she said, there is a big beach in my hometown, right? Uh, and she said that so, so many times she would want to walk into that water and just kill herself, right? But she didn't. Why? Because every single time when the water touched her feet, she remembered there is a boy out there that will be abandoned and the boy out there will be orphaned and she would just like a walk backwards from that water. And because of her sacrifice today, I was able to grow up from that country to come here to become a senior vice president at Bank of America. This is the grace of God that allowed that water to speak to her. Today, my prayer is that these episodes will become that water for your life and my life. Anytime it touches you and touches your feet, you will back out of what you're about to do. This morning, I have two special friends with me, Miss Brenda and Miss Katina. And the thing is this, these uh, Miss Brenda and Miss Katina are very special to me. And that's why I wanted to interview them this morning, ask them some questions, ask them about the water that was touching their feet, right? And, and the thing is this, I had a chance to travel with Miss Brenda uh, to the mission fields. And we have had a, like a, so many times, uh, a great conversations uh, when we traveled uh, you know, through the streets of South Dakota. And one thing that just like impressed me the most of her is how much of regard and respect and love that she has for her daughter and how much she loves the Lord. And so this morning, our hope and prayer is that as they talk to you, that you will find the strength and you will find the water. I'm gonna pause here and introduce my two special guests, Miss Brenda and Miss Katina. Miss Brenda, tell us a little bit about yourself. Good morning, good morning. It's a pleasure to be with you guys this morning. My name is Brenda Gibbs. I'm a volunteer with Proverbs 226. I'm married to the most wonderful man in this world. His name is George Gibbs. To that union, we have three beautiful children. Katina, who's the oldest that's visiting with us today. George Jr., that's my second. He, um, through his journey of life, I was able to find my purpose in this world through the Lord Jesus Christ. And my younger son is John, who's 35. I'm a member of Faith Tabernacle Church of Zion, where I'm an elder. I hold the position as an elder. And it's a pleasure to be with you today. Thank you, Miss Brenda. It is so nice to have you on this morning and this broadcast. And uh, I, I know that uh, you always talk so special about your daughter. So I want to introduce Miss Katina into this line as well. Miss Katina, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello, everyone. My name is Katina Good. I am a wife. I am a mother. I am also a grandmother. I come to you today via way of Hanover, Maryland, which is right outside the Washington, D.C. area. My husband's name is Dale, and we have five wonderful children by way of a blended family. We have four boys and one daughter. They range in the, from the ages of 28 through 21. I am also a 
prayer leader. I am also a women's ministry leader and also a part-time student who is going to school to receive a, an associate's degree in interior design. And I'm glad to be here with you today. Ms. Katina, you are an interior designer, a mother, a grandmother. How many roles do you play in a given day? Tell us a little bit about what your day looks like. My day is very busy. Um, I wear a lot of different hats. So you, you picked up on that. And sometimes it's hard for me to try to, to keep it together. Um, you know, but I, I'm thankful to God that he keeps me grounded. Um, I start my day off with prayer. I cannot begin to do anything that he's called me to do and wear in none of those hats unless I seek him. And I'm, I'm just eternally grateful for the peace that he uh, surrounds me with. I'm so uh, thankful for the support that I receive from my wonderful husband. He is, he's awesome. He's everything that I need. And he, he keeps me grounded also. Um, and my children, they're also very supportive. They're very wise uh, beyond their years. And um, so I'm eternally grateful. So it's a support system. So we all band together in order to make this thing work. Wonderful. Thank you, Ms. Katina, for such an elaborate answer about your life. Uh, I'm going to start today morning with asking this question. From both your answers, there's one thing that I picked up. That is your faith. There is something that is something that is just so strong in your life that you wanted to hold on to, that you are just like a, taking a lot of source from. There's so many people that are going to be listening to this podcast today. They want to ask this and they wanted to go after, they wanted to seek, they wanted to ponder on the same subject area as well, just like you. So Ms. Brenda, tell us a little bit about why is this faith important for you? My faith is important to me because I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe in the Holy Bible. I accepted the Lord uh, Jesus Christ as my personal savior over 40 years ago. Um, it was through that relationship with him that I found my purpose in life, the prison ministry that I'm involved with. Um, and I found that because of my son's journey in life, you know, and when you've got a calling on your life and God has called you to, you know, to, to do kingdom work, you have to make sure that your personal relationship is intact with him so that you could go to him for direction because when he calls us, we're not, we're not able to do anything that he wants us to do. We'll have to go with his guidance and with his leadership. And so that's why I keep my personal relationship intact so that I could move when he says to move so that I could be still when he says to be still. And so I could just do the kingdom work that he's called me to do. Wonderful. Thank you, Ms. Brenda. I know the faith is such a critical part for our life. And I don't think we can ever move an inch without him in our life. And I got to know Ms. Katina only through this morning meditations that we do on Sunday mornings. And uh, Ms. Katina, I know that when you come on Sunday mornings, you're dialing in to these messages that we've been going through on Beatitudes and the spirits, uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the, the armor of God and so on. Tell us a little bit about like uh, what 
are you enjoying on those morning meditations that we go through? The Sunday morning meditations have been really important to me because I feel like I can take my rightful seat at the table and receive my nourishment and not just natural nourishment, but also spiritual nourishment. Um, the word of God has been like a reflecting pool for me that I can use throughout the week. Um, it allows me to just examine myself and ask myself, am I doing what I'm supposed to do in regards to the kingdom of God? Am I the person that I'm supposed to be for my family, for the people that are attached to me, the people that are assigned to me along my journey? Um, I remember uh, the one message that stuck out to me the most was when we talked about the armor of God and you were um, teaching us about the, uh, the shoes, which is the gospel of peace. And that's so important to me because because I wear so many different hats and you know I've got so many different things going on, one of the things that I battle with is occasional anxiety. And when I'm overcome with that anxiety, you know, I start to feel like I'm not enough. I start to feel like, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing in the kingdom of God? I start to compare myself to other people. And it was through that message that I realized that I am who God wants me to be, that the shoes is uniquely designed just for me, just for my feet. And I can't walk in anybody else's shoes, that my feet has to be st standing on firm ground so that I can receive the peace of God. And I'll tell you one of the ironic things that happened to me after that message is because I remember you talking about why the shoes had to fit so tight. And it was because they had long journeys that they had to travel while they were in battle. And you don't want to get pebbles and get debris and things of that nature inside the shoes. So the shoes had to fit, they had to be buckled and laced up really tight. And I had a pebble in my shoe after that message. And God brought back that message to my remembrance because I could not think about anything else besides stopping and getting that pebble out of my shoe. And I thought about the soldiers that were battling battle. And I thought about what it would be like for them if they had to stop and get the debris out of their shoes, get the pebbles out of their shoes. And I, I realized in that moment that God was speaking to me through that message, that it was okay for me to stop, take my, unlace my shoes, turn my shoes upside down, take them off, get the pebble out of there, take, get the debris out of there so that I may be able to put them back on, lace them up and be able to continue along my journey. And that is so important because in this, this spiritual journey, there are going to be bumps be hurdles, there's going to be debris, there's going to be pebbles and rocks and stumbling blocks and things of that nature. But it's okay that we stop for a moment and we dust ourselves off or we take off things that we don't really need to carry along for the journey and, and allow God to continue to use us and continue us on the path. So I'm thankful for those messages. I'm thankful for them being reflecting pools for me because I'm really seeing them work in my life. I'm remembering them. They're sustaining me in the upcoming week. So I thank you for your labor, Cyril. I thank you for your meditation. I thank you for sticking close to God and feeding us every Sunday because it is definitely needed and it's been a godsend in my life. Wonderful, Ms. Tatina. 
I, I even think that we can end this episode right with your message. There is a preacher in you that was just like a coming out so beautifully. And there's so many people that are going to be listening to this message that has this debris in their shoes and has these pebbles in their shoes. I am encouraging every one of you that are listening to this message, listening to this podcast, to look at your shoes. Does your shoes need adjustments? Does your pebbles need to come out? If so, those are the moments. This energy, that this life that we are living in is a giant experiment. We, we, we don't need to rush this life because if we rush this life so quick, we will come to the end of this life. And when we look back, we would have walked with these pebbles throughout our life that could have been taken out if only we have paused in our life, only if we have taken time to remove those pebbles. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Ms. Katina. That was a wonderful, wonderful answer. I want to take a moment to talk about Proverbs 2 to 6. It's a ministry that's thriving in North Carolina, South Carolina, South Dakota, and Texas. And in this ministry, what we are doing is not so much as a prison ministry. We wanted to go into the lives of these children because the statistic says if you have a son or daughter that has a father or mother in prison, your chance of going into prison is about 82% probability, right? And what we want to do is to help these children break the cycle. We wanted to help these children to break the generational cycle of going back into prison and causing not only their life, but also their children's life. And here's what we are doing. We're taking these children into the prison and the father or mother gets on their knees and washes their children's feet and asks for forgiveness. And that very act not only helps the children to break the cycle of incarceration, but it also helps the father or mother who gets on their knees and washes their children. Last year alone, we were there in prison 48 weekends out of 52 weekends. And every single time we go into the prison, it starts around like 8, 8.30 in the morning, and it goes on to like a 5 or 5.30 in the evening. And throughout the day, the father gets a chance to spend with their son or daughter dancing with them. Father gets a chance to tell their son or daughter how they want to be part of their life. The father takes time to take the medicine and goes into their heart and apply them so that the kids can start to heal. And the goal of this mission is to send 1 million children to college, right? And it takes a village to raise even one child. Now here we're talking about a million children not going into prison. And so in those days, when we get to the prison, when we go into the prison and when we work with these children, it takes an army of people to go in. But here's what I have found. Not even one time I've missed Miss Brenda showing up at these events. I've never seen her 
being tired of being inside that prison facility and helping these kids, helping these fathers, helping these mothers through this journey. Miss Brenda, here is a question for you. Why is this important? Why is that coming week after week after week, traveling four or five hours to get to that prison is important for you? Going to the prisons every weekend is important to me because my family was one of those families that stood out in the cold, in the rain, in the increment weathers, waiting to see my son. And that's how I got involved in Proverbs 226. My journey is that my son George has been incarcerated four different times. And in one of those periods in his life where he was incarcerated, God called me into prison ministry. And I ran away from that calling for two whole years because I thought that I wasn't equipped. I thought that I would fail. I didn't know how to go about doing it. And God's, you know, after I questioned God for two whole years in my running away from that calling, and I looked myself in the mirror one day and I said, Lord, I said, why me? I'm a nobody. And the Lord brought back my remembrance of a, of a Saturday when I visited my son in Turbyville prison. And I asked my son the question as to whether they had church services because he would always talk about people coming in and going out, you know, coming in and getting released, coming in back and getting released. And he was following that pattern. And I said to myself in that instant, I said, Lord, I said, these men need a word up in here that's going to change their lives forever. I said that when they get released from prison, it would be a difference in their continents and the world would be able to see it, even their friends, even if they tried to go back into what they came out of. Their friends would see a difference in their life and would shun them and they would have no other recourse but to turn to you. And in those two years that I questioned the Lord as to why he called me, God brought that moment back to my remembrance. And he said to me, I'm calling you because you see what they need. And when my son went to prison this last time, he went to prison in 2011, I think it was. He took my, he took my grandbabies to school that morning. It was a Valentine's Day. He took my grandbabies to school. And I got a call on my phone from his lawyer saying that he needed to be in court that particular day. He hadn't prepared his children for leaving. And when they came from school, he was gone. He, you know, he got a 10 year sentence on that day. And my prayer then was, Lord, don't let his absence affect my children in a way that they would be lost, that they would be depressed, that they would just not be able to function. My prayer was, let me stand in and be the dad if I can 
to spare them of that hurt. And when my kids, I, you know, I had finally accepted the Lord's call and I was working with some prison ministries and I got a call one day at work from Cyril. And he, you know, and you know, I couldn't really understand what he was saying. But the thing I did understand was him saying that we would take the children if I would bring my grandbabies into the prison to visit their father because my son had signed up for Proverbs 226. And the only thing I really heard him saying was how the dad was going to write a forgive me dear letter and wash the children's feet. And in my faith, I know the importance of forgiveness and the washing of the feet. So he had me sold at that. I took my children to the first Forgive Me Dear at Turbyville. I think it was Mahorma then. I took my children there. And when I saw what was happening, I immediately wanted to join and be a part. And that's what I did. I volunteered. So going every Saturday, if it means helping those children reunite with their dads or their mom and helping them have that one happy day with their dad or their mom to spare them that hurt that I prayed that my children would not experience, I knew that God would be pleased with what I was doing. And that's why I go every weekend if I can to make sure that I'm there to offer, my, to offer my service and to be on board to do whatever it takes so that those children could spend that one day with their dads and be happy. That, that the Lord will apply the band-aid to their hurt the Lord would apply the rose of Sharon to their wounds and they would be fruitful, prosperous children that the Lord has called them to be. And they would not be the blameless ones anymore. And that's the reason I go every Saturday. Miss Brenda, that was so heartwarming to hear you say about your story. I am praying that there is some mom that is out there listening to this message on the ground will just get like a strengthened by what you were saying. What reminded me at that moment in time, Ms. Brenda, that, that you were talking about is the, 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 there's a verse in Job chapter 42, verses 10. It says, when Job prayed for his friends, Job's iniquities were remote. And what you were doing, Ms. Brenda, is that when you were applying the medicine into the hearts of these fathers, when you were applying the medicine to the hearts of these mothers and the caregivers, when you were applying the medicine to the children, actually God was applying medicine into your own heart. And I can remember the day when George got released earlier this year, I can tell how much joy that you had in receiving him home. And I'm so happy that you were able to just not only go through those tough times in your life by just like a taking care of your grandbabies, 
you are also helping somebody else to get through. And I'm going to ask this same thing of those who are listening to this message. When you go through the hardship in your life, when you go through the downturn in your life, if you have somebody come and say that you lost your job or your loved one is uh, uh, you know, diagnosed with a cancer, or if you have like uh, any of these tough messages given to you, while you're looking at your problem, here is our encouragement to you. Look for someone who's going through exactly like you because there is nobody who can apply this medicine to someone who's going through exactly like what you're going through, like what you can do. If someone is going through this journey that is suffering from a cancer, someone who has lost a job, someone needs a bills to be paid, who can address that answer better than you who has already gone through? Just like what Ms. Wenda said. It is so important for us to just like a put a medicine on someone's heart. The thing is this, Ms. Brenda, I know you have been going through this for the last 10 years of your life. But every time we go into prison, there is a long line of mothers and grandmothers and the fathers stand in those lines and there is like, a, whether it is a harsh weather of like a winter or summer, they stand there for two hours, four hours, and six hours before they get a chance to go in and see their sons and daughters. Imagine this, Miss Brenda. If you are today walking through that line, because you've already gone through this, you've come out of this, what would you tell that mother, what would you tell that father that is standing in that line for those six hours, four hours, two hours? What I would tell them, first of all, when we go to the prisons and we see the long lines, we try to get familiar with the families. You know, we, you know, we ask their names. First, I talk to the children. Are you excited about seeing your mom or your dad today? Um, you know, I asked the mom her name and you know, um, and if, I, if I'm the person that had called that person, I would let them know, it's good to see you, good to put a face with a name, you know, and, you know, and I would just let them know that, um, get your tissues ready. Out here, even though it may be raining, snowing, it's gonna be worth it. What you're gonna experience on the inside is gonna be life-changing. The way you are going in, you're not going to come out the same. You're going to come out with hope. You're going to come out with um, forgiveness. You're going to come out free from all the hurt and the pain that you've been experiencing. You're going to be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, God is in control of everything. And even though you're standing in the cold now going in to see your child or your, your son or your daughter, it's better than going to the cemetery to visit them. So just try to be grateful for what God is doing and yourselves because the best is yet to come. My goodness, Miss Brenda, the last statement that you made about going to a graveyard was something so equal into standing in that line. 
it's just like a, so heartwarming and just so deep. And I'm hoping that, that someone who is going through this will source that energy from you, Ms. Brenda. But you know, one thing that I've always seen when, when I see those mothers and those fathers standing in their line, I can see the sadness in their face. Sometimes I see that uh, they, they are just like looking for that moment. They've traveled like a three, four hours to get there, to get that two hours of their time. And I know that by the end of the day, when they finish seeing their son, when they finish seeing their daughter, and they have to leave. Recently, I had an experience of one of the six-year-old girl, Takia. She had to leave her father behind after spending four or five hours with him. And she didn't want to leave that father. And we had to hard separate her that afternoon as she was going home. And I know there are so many mothers, so many fathers, so many Takias that are out there when they go home. I know their heart is heavy. I know they are looking for somewhere, someone that they can speak to, that they will feel the comfort in their heart. Ms. Brenda, what would you tell a mother, a father, or another Takia who is wetting their pillows that night? What I would tell her is that to keep crying, that God honors our tears, but in the midst of those tears, just to try to muster up enough strength to say, thank you, Jesus. What I had to do was to, when my son started going to prison, I thought I was going to lose my mind with worry. Not being able to help him, the Lord had tied my hands so much that even if I wanted to help him, I couldn't. And I had to pray and ask the Lord to help me accept the things that I can't change because he knows what he's doing. Each time my son went into prison, and I don't know whether this is anybody else's circumstances, but each time he went into prison, it was less than 30 days later that a friend of his was killed in the streets. And I know that the Lord was saving my son's life for a reason. And I would tell that parent just to be grateful that he's alive, that you're able to see him. It may not be all the time that you want to see him, but through Proverbs 226, we're going to do our best to make sure that they get to visit that child three times a year. In addition to all the other visits that they correspond on their own, you know, they have life, they're alive, and that's the biggest joy of it all. You know, they were too busy in the streets to listen to the Lord's voice. So the Lord had no other recourse but to sit them down in a place where it was just him and them, and they could listen to the Lord if they chose to do so. And that's our prayer, that as they're being incarcerated, that they're really, really seeking the Lord's guidance, seeking his voice with a pure heart. The Lord says, when you, you find me, when you seek me with all your heart. 
And that's our prayer for our children, that even if they're incarcerated, that they will seek the Lord with all, they, all their heart and come out a changed person. And I would just tell them just to, to study the word. Without God, they're not going to make it. The Lord, we have to depend on the Lord to give us a peace in circumstances like this, when we're in a journey like this. It's only God's peace that's going to take us through. Go deeper into your relationship with him so that he could comfort you like only he knows how. Because even though we may have families, if nobody in the family is wearing that shoe, you won't get any support, not the support that you need. So seek the Lord for yourself. Seek him while he may be found. And just keep on praying. That was just so moving on how you are holding on to the hem of his garment. And the thing is this, because of moms like you who never gives up on their sons, because of moms like you who never gives up on their daughters, you know, the success of Proverbs 26 is not because we have a cute program that we are doing this and we are doing that. It is because of moms like you today. When we started this journey in 2012 in South Carolina, they had over 25,000 inmates, right? But eight years fast forward, so many cries, so many healings, so much of restoration. Today in South Carolina, there is only 18,400 men serving time in prison. It is because of the dads and moms like you who goes in week after week and not give up on their sons and daughters. We were able to trace down 3,500 of those men and women have actually gone through this experience through Proverbs 26. Here's the thing that I was so amazed to watch. Not even one of those mothers who has washed their son or daughter's feet has ever come back into prison. There is something about washing other feet that changes the heart, not only for the children, but also it changes the heart of the fathers. It changes the heart of the mothers that are serving time behind the bars that just allows them to go to a place like what you talked about, Ms. Brenda. There is a place that we have never visited before. There is a place that we will never go to unless God takes us to that place. My dear brothers and sisters that are watching this episode online, I'm gonna ask you to go to that place. I want you to go find that secret place of that most high God. He's the only one who can bring the healing. He's the only one who can bring the hope. And I'm praying for you as you are listening to this episode that your heart will be lightened, that your burden will be easy, that you will hang on to the hem of the garden that Miss Brenda was holding on to. I want to wrap up this morning's episode by asking Miss Katina 
You talked about the shears. You talked about the dibleys. You talked about the pebble. Miss Katina, tell us about a verse that is closer to your heart and why. Well, Cyril, if you will allow me, there's actually two verses that is near and dear to my heart during uh, the times that we are living in right now. One of them is John 15, 5, that states, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit and apart from me, you can do nothing. And the second one that resonates with me is Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans that are good and not evil to give you a future and a hope. And during the times that we are living in now with the uncertainty of COVID-19 and with people actually feeling the pressure of life, feeling the uncertainty of life, feeling the uncertainty of what the plan is for, for just the world that we live in, it's stressful times. And I had mentioned before that, you know, I suffer with an occasional anxiety so these two scriptures is what, it keeps me grounded, you know, knowing that apart from God, I can do nothing. Knowing that he has a plan for me and that plan is good and it's not evil. He is on my side, despite of what it looks like, despite of what it feels like, I still have the victory. So I can rest assured in these tr troubled times, I can rest assured during troubled circumstances that I may encounter in my life, that he does have a plan. I don't have to worry about, about what's down the road. I don't have to worry about what's behind door number two. The only thing I need to do is keep my shoes on, keep them strapped tight and allow the peace of God to sustain me and allow his plan and his will to come to fruition over my life. And he will enable me and he will sustain me and all is well. Thank you so much, Katina, for being here with us this morning and answering all these questions. Miss Brenda, your answers were so amazing. My prayer is that somebody that's listening to your voices will be healed, will be touched, will be restored. The Bible says, I will restore the years the locust has chewed. God's not talking about restoring what is broken. God's not. That restoration would just like be a light version of the translation. That restoration means like, oh, my house is broken. I'm going to restore it to its original condition. Or my car is broken. I'm going to restore it to its original state. It's not what the Bible is talking about. God is saying, I will restore the years. He will restore the time. He will restore what is rightfully yours. Even though the locust might have chewed your life, locust might have taken your joy, locust, locust might have taken what was supposed to be the time where your son or daughter being at home taking care of their children, just like what Miss Brenda said. It doesn't matter. When God shows up in your life, he's going to restore the years the locust has chewed. He's going to, to bring a restitution back into your life and give you all the years that has been lost. 
my prayer this morning for you as you are listening to it. There's so many things that we talked about today. We talked about shoes. We talked about the pebbles. We talked about the peace of God. We talked about how a mom showed up week after week. We talked about like a, how one of the moms, just like a took time to put a medicine in somebody else's heart, even when she was going through this troubled time on her own. My hope and prayer is that this message, this episode gives you strength as you are dancing in the rain, as you don't know how to dance in the rain, that God will just like a use a word, a sentence, a phrase, or the words from the Bible to heal and bring hope in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's podcast. I hope that you enjoyed listening to the story of Miss Brenda and Miss Katina. We want to welcome you to join us for our Sunday morning meditations at 8.30 a.m. We will discuss and dive deep into the Word of God. You can find the dial-in information at proverbs226.org forward slash be encouraged. Thanks and have a great day.